0: Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.
1: Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Camp 2022, ready to ride.
0: Here's Chad and Nate. day to everyone out there, UC Health Training Center, Chad and Nate, how you doing my friend? I
1: do see Health Training Center, oh I thought you said UC (laughs) Health,
0: yeah we are at UC
1: Health Center and I do see it, we're out here at another, um, God it's gonna be another scorcher isn't it? It is. Yesterday was hot. Yesterday was hot. Today's going to be hot. Every day's hot. The day before that was hot. Next week's hot. What's going on, man? What's, what's this is global warming stuff going on around here. <laughs> I don't remember. Like, I, I was in six different training camps on this very field, mm-hmm. and I never remember a stretch of this kind of heat. Really? Never. Never. No, it, it, it could get up into the 90s sometimes, but it would be m- more so in the 80s. It would uh-huh. be like low 80s. And then when it would go into the 90s, it be like, man, it is hot. I feel like we've been pushing 100. 100 darn near every day here,
0: Chadwick. I think yesterday was 99. I think today's also expected to be 98-99, so definitely a hot day. Today's tempo will be far different than yesterday's. After going hard yesterday, they'll take it slower today, so we expect a little bit more of that walk-through kind of tempo, jog-through, in preparation for another physical tough day expected tomorrow.
1: Yep, and so the... You know, the experiment continues on how to really get these guys ready to play week one uh, without wearing them out, without breaking them down, without injuring them. Uh, I know Dalton Reisner was, was on with with the boys, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and he talked about, look, I'm going to be honest, when you go four, five, six days in a row with no pads, day three, day four, he called them dog days. They're, they're not good <laughs> days because you're t- tired, you're sore, the boys are broken down and so i think there's different schools of thought on how to interpret a statement like that is that something that you respond to as a coach by saying okay since you guys are really tired we're not going to do it or since you guys are really tired we're going to do it and we're going to do it harder to push you through that moment does that moment translate to a football game in any way is a football game made up of these moments where you have to push through pain push through fatigue and doubt, Or is it always about staying fresh and being as fresh as possible at the end of the game? I think, look, when we talk about Nathaniel Hackett and us judging him for this routine, there's a lot at stake for him. You don't win, you're gone. And so I think it's very brave to try something out of the box and non-traditional when you know that the clock is always ticking on what you're doing. You have maybe two years to figure this out. And realistically, I know there's a lot of people, like James Merillat, for example, he thinks if there's a losing season here, Hackett will be gone. I don't agree with that necessarily. But it's, it takes cojones to do it your own way in, when there's traditions that are so adhered to by everyone else in the industry.
0: All right. So uh, listening to Mike Evans and NoShawn this morning when I was driving in, uh, Mike Evans is uh, hyperbolizing uh, some of our conversations about this year's training camp. The drills, not, the lack of 9-on-7, the lack of 7-on-7, seven seven, the lack of 1-on-1. On one. Some of the pacing of the practice. What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't hyperbolize. (laughs) Yes, you do. It is calm, (laughs) rational, reasoned thinking. No, you are hyperbolizing. Maybe a little wedge driving. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, you you call it wedge driving, I call it hyperbolizing. You're hyperbolizing the conversations that all the former players uh, outside of NoShawn have had on these airwaves. We all have some questions about what's happening out there. Questions uh, don't make you jealous. Don't make you jelly gel or peanut butter in jelly. Questions don't make you jealous. Questions make you say, hey, this is so far different than our experiences. We are curious about how this is all going to play out. I've been using the word experiment this entire week. Andrew Mason joined in me with yesterday, using the word experiment about this new style training camp. Uh, So my question to you is, Are you a jealous hater, or are you just seeing something that's new and unusual and you're a little bit skeptical about this? Not jealous at all, uh, not
1: hating at all. I want these Broncos to be a good football team. Right. I want them to win the Super Bowl, and my experience tells me the harder you work at something, the better you get at that thing. And I think that's like kind of conventional wisdom, isn't it? Like the harder you work at something, the better you get at it?
0: We love Russell Wilson because he works so hard. Yeah. Now suddenly we're praising a football team because they don't work so hard. Kobe Bryant's the greatest of all time. He shows up in the gym at four in the morning. He gets two extra hours of working every day, every every week. That's fourteen extra hours every month. That's fourteen. That's twenty. I mean, we we love these stories of these guys who put in the extra work. But suddenly, we want to apply a different lens to this Broncos football team.
1: Yeah, and here's the thing about the football players: they're not asking for this. They aren't. They'll do whatever the coach tells them to do. Right. To keep this dream alive. You're a football player your your path your process is saying yes sir whatever you say I'm going to do. If we're going to do three a days in full pads, I'll be out here in three days because this is my dream. And and that's the hierarchy of football. The coach tells you what to do, the player does it.
0: Nah, dog, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to be out there three times a day. I'm good. Okay, well then, <laughs> then okay,
1: go into the locker room, <laughs> clean out your locker and we'll find someone who does want to do what we want. Right. You know? And so the coaches set the precedent the players play. Whatever the coach asks these players to do, they will do. So, of course do they are they probably appreciative that it's not putting the wear and tear on their body? Sure, but for me, if I'm going to go back and look in my career in the NFL, I'm very, very happy that I had to go through difficult training camps. I, I I wear that as a badge of honor. It means something when you make it through a training camp, a, a physical, long, strenuous, two-a-day training camp. That means something. That makes you feel pride. That makes you feel powerful. That makes you feel like you belong with that group of men out there because you just went through something very, very difficult together. That's how you come together as a unit. Go through something that hurts. Go through something that's long. Go through something that makes you tired, that makes you drag your ass around, that makes you get out of bed in the morning and say, I don't know how I'm going to do this. There were days in training camp when I got out of bed and my first step to hit the ground, <laughs> I collapsed because this ankle or whatever was just, and, and I was like, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. I gotta calm. I, I, I can't practice. I can't do it. And slowly as the minutes go by you get warmed up and your mind gets going and by the time I would step out of my car and walk into this building right here I would be like, okay, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get through it. And then you go through your warm up process. You get out on the field. You make it through practice. You go back in the locker room. You take a shower and you feel like Superman having gotten through that. Overcome that type of pain. And that's what's gonna happen on Sundays. I believe that translates. But um... I don't know, and they're following the science, you know. Like Dick, Dick Butkus wasn't following the science, you know what I'm
0: saying? Like uh, LT, know. he wasn't following any science. Nah, he nah. was in the club till four in the morning, getting coked up.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's that anomaly who could, you know, blast rails before going out on the field and, right. and, and like really perform at a high level. Most of these guys aren't out here doing that, but I don't think it's a oh, most guys, most yes. guys, maybe a couple, maybe a couple, but, I, but but I don't think it's jealousy. I don't think it's jealousy. I no. think it's experience and wanting the best for these guys and trying to, you know, we have limited experience with football. All we know is to work hard, right? And all we know is how that hard work bears results, and and we want to see results.
0: Yeah, uh, I can tell you the first pre two-minute situation of a preseason game or an early season game, uh, I enjoyed the fact that we had put conditioning work in. And we had done a number of live two-minute drills to prepare me for that moment. Because when I was a defense, you are on the field for 8 or 10 or 12 plays in a, in a two-minute uh, situation, you need to be able to dig down deep and pull something out. Uh, I think if there was a live two-minute situation right now, this team, now it's its only the, you know, what a week and a half in the training camp, would not be prepared for that. Will they be? We'll see as time goes along. But based on the schedule as we've seen it so far, this defense... Because I'll just speak specifically about the defensive side of the ball would not be ready to deal with a live two minute situation from a stamina standpoint.
1: Yeah, stamina is a huge thing, and you don't see these guys doing any extra running yep. either. They're, I mean, maybe they're doing it when we're not around, like an afternoon thing that we don't know about, and that's entirely possible. They're spending more time in the in the weight room and out there, you know, conditioning afterwards. But but as a as a receiver in college, for example, I was on the field every play, and, and it was always. Man, that first series would really, really get you. Your wind would be really, really going, and then you kind of settle into it. But the fourth quarter comes around, and your conditioning, your fitness, really um, gets revealed. And if you are not hydrated, if you are not in good, as good a shape as you thought you were, that fourth quarter is when it's going to really come out. These preseason games, you're not going to see that because one, t- you know, one group's going to be playing one quarter, the other group's going to be playing another quarter. You're not going to have guys playing for four quarters, so you're really not going to see what kind of fitness they're in until week one in Seattle. Then you're going to see that. But, um, you know, I, I mean, Seattle, what, what kind of camp are they running? That's your week one opponent. you got to be ready to beat the Seahawks in Seattle. Do you think Seattle is running a more physical, kind of strenuous camp right now?
0: Absolutely, positively, 100%.
1: Yes. Then we're going to get a great case study in week one yes. as to who is better prepared to face this season
0: the experiment we will find out and that's, that's the whole point of every experiment we get to see what the results will be our analysis of training camp 2020 ready to ride is presented by elite sportsbook uh, a lot of folks were concerned about uh, russell wilson's lack of spectacular plays during training camp yesterday a little bit of a different story we'll talk about all that next live from uc health training center elite sportsbook presents training camp 2022 ready to ride
1: here's chad and nate I was just telling George, you know, that's one of the, two minute is typically one of the hardest things to get going for a brand new offense, just getting everybody on the same page, because everything's happening so fast, trying to, you know, process situations, all those things, so, to see that happen, you know, only on the second time that we've done it, first time at the end of the game, um, was really great, it was great working with Russ through that one, and watching him, he called that last play, which was absolutely fantastic, and hit it for the touchdown, so, you know, it's just one of those things, you just want to always see progressions, you know, you always want to
0: see guys getting better, uh, slowly but surely, and uh, that was good, we got a long way to go, but, That was really nice to see. Yesterday's practice was uh, in full pads, the highest tempo practice so far of the year. And uh, when it came to the two-minute situation, Russ looked great. Uh, Two-minute drills are typically not just, hey, it's uh, two minutes, let's see how it goes. They're typically a a situation that is uh, applied to that two-minute situation. Let me see if I can pull this up here. So the uh, Russell-led uh, first offense was going against the first defense they were down 14 to 10 there was a minute 48 left in the fourth quarter two timeouts first and ten at its own 20 Russ leads him down to a touchdown drive they did face a fourth and four uh completed a 20yard 20 28 yard pass to Cortland Sutton so really nice series for the offense then who was the touchdown scorer Cortland Sutton
1: oh he scored the touchdown as well yeah, yeah. okay good cool
0: so uh, there was uh, a couple of uh, a you Uh, Albert O early in that drive as well. So, uh, you know, the clean uh, two-minute series, the ability to – eyes? Uh, Russ called that last play. Uh, audibleize
1: well, is one of those words that only exists in the football world.
0: <laughs> Honey, I know you wanted
1: to go get Chinese, but I'm going to audibleize here. <laughs> We're going to go get some sushi. How about that? I'm calling audible here, babe. Uh, no, it's audible I know I know. You turn, a, you turn a noun into a verb, you know?
0: it's what, weird. Uh, physicality is also not a word. It is? It is a football media is staple. Physicality is, is not a word. a word. It is not in the dictionary. Interesting. When I first started doing games, They, the some, they would have a. Well, what's the adjective? Is this physical? More physical. A more physical. The 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 team playing with a more physical style. Got it. Yes. Uh, Physicality. Okay. Well, according to some folks at ESPN, <laughs> physicality is not a word. Maybe it's newly added to the dictionary. Richie Carney just <laughs> newly. Showed, oh man, it just must be. They just must have just added it. Like add, last week, they add words to dictionary every single year. Wait,
1: so you tr- you trusted the ESPN linguistic folks over good old Webster's
0: when they sent out the year uh, preview for all the guys who were doing NFL games and college games? Uh, uh, One note, guys. Physicality is not a word. Literally, I'd have to pull up the the email. It's from six or seven years ago when I first started doing games. But that was a phrase that they were trying to eliminate and now is a staple in calling football games. Because it applies, right? We want some physicality out here.
1: Yes, we do. And, and in a two-minute drill, you've got to have physicality, but you also got to have a sense of urgency, and you got to know what you're doing. I think that's, that's the reason why, to him, to Nathaniel Hackett, this is one of the hardest drills to do, because you have to be mentally on the same page, and you have to be able to do it without getting in a huddle. Right, A huddle is the safe place for every offensive football player. You, you gather in a little circle. The quarterback tells you exactly what the play is. You think about it as you run out there. You get set, set up. Two-minute drill, you don't have that kind of time. And so you have to be paying attention to the coach on the sideline, listening to the quarterback, knowing where to line up. And there is often some confusion, especially with wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs about which side to line up on because oftentimes the plays they're trying to run are based on what hash you're on, right? So if you're on the left hash, oh, we're going strong side on the left, and so the weak side line, uh, receivers are on the other side, okay? Let's say the the play goes to the right hash this time. Now, s- some young receivers are going to want to run all the way to the other side of the field, and you've got receivers running across the formation to We've get set up during two minutes. It. That wastes precious time, and so you have to be on the same page with the receivers knowing that Okay, we're probably going to do mirrored routes here, so we're doing the same routes on both sides. You don't have to worry about which side you're on. Just understand if you're on the line of scrimmage or off the line of scrimmage, and that matters too. So, um... Hand signals are, are something you got to get down to. Are you in hostile territory? Is the crowd noise an issue? Can you not hear Russell Wilson? So you got to be looking at him. And he's going to give you hand signals on what routes to run. That takes practice. That takes time to understand it. So there's a lot of factors going into why two minute is difficult to pull off. But it's also, once you get it down, relatively simple. You're not opening up the playbook and doing double moves and all kind of f- fancy stuff. Oh, well, you might do a double move if you. You know, have a look with your quarterback, and he knows that guy's going to jump this route, blah, blah, blah. But you're not calling anything extravagant. They're very basic plays when you think about it. You're just taking advantage of the, t- the pace and the timing. So, uh, good th- good thing they did that yesterday. And also, Greg Dulcich was in there yesterday, and he caught a touchdown. So, um, I know that's not a two minute, but um, some
0: good things happened yesterday. Yeah. Uh Yesterday's practice was the kind of practice that, uh, as a media observer, uh, I can look at that practice and begin to evaluate players. That was the closest thing we've seen to real full-speed football all camp long. So uh, as much as we have been pushing back on some of the schedule and some of the practices as, uh, I won't call them unrecognizable, but very different than our NFL experiences, that practice had that pace, had the feel, had the physicality, that looked like a training camp practice. It was full speed. There was a lot of go- there was a lot going on. Um, uh, looking forward to seeing more of that tomorrow as well.
1: Is there momentum in training that's important? Like like after having a practice like that yesterday, which we all agree was a very traditional looking football practice in training camp, is it important to come back and do it the next day? Does that make it better work the next day? Or are you okay with a one-on, one-hard, one-soft, one-hard that they're doing over the next couple days?
0: Uh, I think as a coach you have to pick your spots and understand your team. But, again, this is a time of year where you, because games are far away, games that count are far away, if you want to go hard back-to-back two days in a row, in pads both days, you have an opportunity to do that, to develop some callus, to develop some tough skin, to, as a phrase I used yesterday, put some of that money in the bank so you can pull it out. Uh, Later in the season or in the fourth quarter of a divisional game something like that is that is that just a cliche or is that real that you actually you're putting money in the bank out here
1: that you are going to be able to withdraw from your account in a game down the line is that or is that just kind of old school thinking
0: the teams where there was conditioning as part of the the weekly practice schedule I can say I was in better shape. On those teams than I was on the teams who said we're going to get our conditioning in just during practice. So that the
1: well, okay. So let me ask you: the games, uh, the teams that said that. Uh huh. Was practice difficult? Was it fast paced? Because because yes. because Coach Shanahan didn't run us after practice ever, mm-hmm. uh, but our practices were were fast paced. It was like we're going to practice a game speed, so we don't have to condition. But this is your conditioning, so you better work your ass off out here. And we're going to keep the pace going. We're going to run as many plays as we possibly can, and that will get us in shape. Uh, but um, I've never been on a t- well at college. Of course, you run a little bit after practice, but
0: um, in the NFL here here with the Denver Broncos, and we were always pretty fit as a Pittsburgh Steeler. As a New England Patriot, we conditioned. That was part of the program. That was part of the routine. Um, as a Seahawk, very rarely did we condition. I'd like to think that was in better shape, uh, particularly in the fourth quarter games, as a, uh, as a Steeler and as a Patriot. Uh, those teams certainly have some Lombardi trophies in the uh uh, atrium of their facilities I've walked past every day so something to be said for their programs and what they do now when I was a rookie and we played San Francisco over there in Barcelona Spain as a Pittsburgh Steeler you mean
1: Barcelona
0: when we lined up to do conditioning after practice All those 49er players, they laughed at us Mm. because the 49ers, which were the best team in football at that time, they didn't do any conditioning. They got all their conditioning, the Bill Walsh kind of model, by practicing fast. That's where Mike Shanahan, he was Mike's probably biggest influence upon what Mike did as a head coach. So there's certainly more ways than one to get things done. But again, speaking from my personal experience, that extra conditioning after practice made me that that much better. And again, we praise people who put in extra work. That, that, that is a standard thing in sports now. Oh, this guy gets to work in. This guy stays after practice. This guy spends three hours in the gym every morning. He shows up at 3.15 every day. We love all that kind of stuff. But, again, it's interesting we're applying a slightly different lens to this particular Bronco team in this training camp.
1: All right, what say you to this idea that a texter's texted in? I've heard quite a bit. The Rams,
0: they were on the same kind of practice schedule. They looked okay last year. So we're going to just absolutely take Stink's word as gospel that the Rams training camp is just like this, just because they don't play their starters in the preseason. Aaron Donald... Does not need to play. Todd Gurley at the time was one of the best running backs in the NFL. He did not need to play. Cooper Cup, the Triple Crown winner last year, no, he does not need to play in the preseason, but those guys certainly need to get their work in during practice. You have to get the work in some way, somehow. I have a difficult time just accepting Stink's word as pure gospel that this is an exact replication of what the Rams do. They have to do one-on-ones. I've watched the Rams in like a, a hard knocks kind of thing where Aaron Donald is beating people in one-on-one pass rush drills. So my eyes tell me that's not the case.
1: Yeah, Coach Hackett said that he, uh, he would consider doing one-on-ones if the guys asked for it. <laughs> um, and typically football players, they just do what you, they tell you to do. You know, this, right. whatever you tell us to do in practice, we're going to do because um, you're the coach and we want to impress you in whatever drill you think is important. Clearly, um I guess if I was a veteran, I, I might feel comfortable going and asking him to do that stuff. But, uh, yeah, that, that kind of text about, look, the Rams do it this way, you got to do it this way, that presupposes, like you said, that every team is in the same boat, that they got guys who are you know, uh, in the same stage in their career and need the same type of work. This is a first-year team. This is a first year operation here. These are all first year coordinators and coaches with a new quarterback and limited practice time and an offensive line you're trying to figure out. Like the Rams were clearly a more complete team and more predictable team last year than the Broncos are this year. So uh, I think you got to do it based on your team, what you have. Obviously, Obviously, uh, George Payne believes in this vision or else he wouldn't have hired Nathaniel right. Hackett. They talked about all this stuff mm-hmm. before that. So, so hey, we're not going to know until game
0: one if these guys are ready to play. Uh, tempo is obviously incredibly important to uh, an offense. When you've got a quarterback like Russell Wilson who can bring the tempo up and bring it down, that's a, a nice piece to have. we hear Coach Hackett talk about the up-tempo practice from yesterday. But first, uh, we need to hear from Spilly and Fill us in how the Rockets
1: fish. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents Training Cab 2022, ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. We had something that we wanted to get to there. A uh, little miscommunication, which actually turned into a different play that we didn't know was going to happen. But, it, you know, that's how sometimes great plays happen. A <laughs> uh, brand new play. But uh, Cortland well, ran a beautiful route. And uh, I loved how he flattened it and uh, rusted a great job. We had great protection on front. He stepped to the left and uh, got explosive.
0: Coach Ackett talking about one of the bigger plays from yesterday's practice during that two minute drill. Uh, tempo. When you've got a quarterback like Russell Wilson who can adjust the tempo like a gas pedal in a car in which the offense operates, that puts so much pressure on a defense. So to see the success of Russell Wilson in this offense in that two-minute drill yesterday, uh, the fact that they seem to be far enough ahead where they can execute that kind of thing at a high level, that gives me a lot of confidence moving into the season as far as their ability to go into two-minute mode whenever they want. Uh, As a defense, if a defender gets hurt in a... Replacement has to come into a game. And instantly, you choose that moment to go two minute. Uh, you can catch a defense with not the right personnel on the field. You can catch them in a bad situation. Maybe the middle linebacker goes out, and the second guy comes in who's not as good as communicating all the defensive calls. And by speeding that tempo up, you can force a defense into some bad spots. There's a lot of things you can do with tempo. Uh, so the two minute drill yesterday was great because it speaks well about the two minute situation. But you can pull that same tempo out anytime you want when you get a quarterback with the caliber of Russell Wilson. One of
1: the things- things that we noticed in the first week of Russell Wilson under center is the tempo the practice we were run at was was something faster than we were used to right so so i think that translates well to the 2 minute stuff being a more seamless drill is when you're already used to come on let's go get in and out of the huddle you know we're not letting the play clock tick down to 3 Two, one, sit Hutton and then everybody's timing it off of the double zero there, you know? So the fact that Russell Wilson has that sort of clock already instinctually built into his football process makes the two-minute drill, like you said, that much more of a viable, not just at the end of the half, but a viable... Um, Thing to use in the middle of the game to catch a defense slipping or if they're teeing off on you. Like last year, how many times did the Broncos let it t- tick down to one second on the play clock and then the play just got blown up for nothing? And I'm sure people were at home saying the same thing you said. Switch up the tempo. Let's go hurry up. To do something, something to switch it up. And having that trick in your bag, feeling confidence with it's part of being able to do it in the game. And so yesterday to see, you know, Russell be able to cook in that situation and engineer a scoring drive for a touchdown – is huge for this team, and also just for the receivers. Like I was saying in the last segment, um, once you get the little stuff down on where to line up and not to flip-flop across the field because you think you're supposed to be on the other side of the field, once you understand the kind of the plays that you're going to call in two minutes, it becomes pretty simple because you're not... You're not opening up the whole playbook. It's a relatively simple route tree. You could just concentrate on that. You don't have to go back to the huddle. For a receiver, a lot of times, it's tiring running back to the huddle. Yep. Like You run a route down the field. you got to go run all the way back to the huddle, get the play, run all the sprint all the way back out. Maybe you shift, and then you go in motion, and then you run your route. All the while, the DB, the corner is just standing there. Watch it. Like, <laughs> poor guy. I'm going to have an easier time covering you now. Right, Look at right. all this running you're doing. Mm-hmm. I used to go out there on the field like in practice. I'd be huffing and puffing running practice or, or, or just scout team stuff, and Champ Bailey was just standing there. Just standing there, not sweating, not breathing hard, just laughing at me as I was <laughs> running back to the huddle. So two-minute kind of absolves you of that need to run back to the huddle, which is a good thing, uh, but it does take time. There are hand signals for each route. If it's too loud, you got to know what those hand signals are and where to be, So um, and this is a new offense. These guys are just coming together, and... They're working out the kinks. They looked good yesterday.
0: If you want to run a two-minute offense and have that tempo capability, then to your point, you need to have more than just two or three receivers. You need to have some depth in that wide receiver room because at some point, if you're asking guys to Run all those routes in a two minute fashion, they've got to come off to the sideline and get a blow. So there is a stamina conditioning factor for the wide receiver core, and there's a depth factor as well. If you don't have guys that you trust past your first two or three in that wide receiver room, it's very difficult to do that all the time because you're going to wear your starters out.
1: This is where Russell's experience is just so invaluable. A guy who's won over 100 games in the NFL. Um, who has been as successful and has played as much football as he has. He's only missed, what, three games or something in his whole 10-year run as a starter. The situational stuff that you just can't train for, you can't sit in the classroom and learn about, you just have to experience on the field, and then you commit that to memory, and the next time you do it a little better, a little tighter, uh, is is something that, like, for example, we didn't have last year with Drew Locke, even or Teddy, Teddy's experience wasn't enough to have him understand the situations. You look at Dak Prescott, who, by a lot of people, top 10 talent in the NFL. Situationally, last year against the Niners at the very end of that game, right, they run it right up the gut, <clears throat> 20, 25-yard gain, and the clock ticks out on them. Those kinds of things, every second matters in a two-minute drill. Understanding how many timeouts you have, understanding how many yards you have to get before you get a field goal, where that line is. Who your field goal kicker is? What what hash does he like to kick from? Where's the wind going? Um, are we getting the ball back in the second half? All those little factors tie into him being effective in those situations, and we don't always see that in a in a ten play period, you know, from the twenty five yard line.
0: Yeah. So those situations yesterday, obviously, the situation was fourteen to ten, so they are down by four, so they had to score a touchdown. There'll be other situations that Coach Hackett and his staff will draw up for Russell Wilson and the offense to execute where they maybe they're down by two and they need to score a field goal, but the goal is not just to get themselves in field goal position, but it's also to try to chew up as much clock as they can to not leave the other offense with enough time to go down and get a field goal themselves. So all these situational things that are not just tests of your ability to understand the playbook, but also your ability to understand the situation and what is the goal of each and every situation. And the latter situation I just drew up where you're down by two, you want to go ahead and get in field goal position to kick the field goal and win and chew up some clock. You want your receivers to catch the ball and stay in bounds. Versus when you're down by four, you're limited timeout, and you're limited with time on the clock. Now you want to catch that ball and then get out of bounds. Everyone in the huddle needs to understand the situation and what the right play is in every single situation. Situation. Uh, situation.
1: Situational? What did I say? No, I was, you said situation, a bunch, so like, I was like, just saying it again.
0: There is no substitute word for situations. Scenario? No. It's situational football. Isn't that what we say, right? No, it's scenario football, isn't it? No, it is not. Definitely not scenario football. Uh, Was yesterday's practice the most physical of all? Uh, What did you and I see out there? What can we take away from yesterday's uh, picked up tempo? We'll talk about that next. Live from UC Health Training Center, Elite Sportsbook presents... Training Camp
1: 2022,
0: ready to ride. Here's Chad and Nate. little boujou Bonton on a reggae Friday. Walk like a champion. We certainly hope these Broncos are able to walk like a champion. Day nine here at the UC Health Training Center uh yesterday's practice Nate was by far the most physical practice of training camp um I- watching the practice did you get a chance to see something that you hadn't seen before gain some some insights that you couldn't uh, maybe make out because of the the pace of practice? Nope. <laughs> nope. It just looked at me
1: like a football practice and I was standing back here behind you know rows of players who were watching. It was kinda of hard to really see what was going on there. But no, I mean, I guess I guess the sounds of shoulder pads coming together. I guess the sounds of bodies colliding, which is what we're used to in football, and ultimately on Sunday is what you have to do to win football games. So no, I think it was just kind of a traditional football practice that we saw. Um No bells and whistles about it. It was a nice, long two-hour practice out here in the sun. And um, I think, um, you know, as camp goes on, we're going to get to know certain players better. I think the splash play, uh, what everybody saw yesterday, was the new guy, um, the receiver, Shepard. Darius Shepard. Darius Shepard, who caught like a 65-yard touchdown from Josh Johnson. That was the big wow play that was was made yesterday. But other than that, I think that the two-minute stuff was really good for, for Russell Wilson because... Over the last couple of days, I've started to hear people whisper about, uh, is, is Russell Wilson, like, uh, he hasn't been that impressive. Like, I don't know, is this the guy that we thought we were going to get? And is he really as good as we thought? And uh, he's missing a lot of throws. And are they on the same page? Is it Russ's fault? What's going on here? And for me, man, I am just used to football practices being kind of, not sloppy, but like practice. Tux. Yeah, practice is not going to be perfect. If it's perfect on both sides, what does that even mean? That's a walkthrough, right? That's just fits. People fitting up um, as a wasp comes and lands on uh, the coffee right there. This is a dangerous area. No, but, like, practices are supposed to be... Uh, imperfect practice is supposed to challenge you, put you in uncomfortable positions. It's not supposed to be pretty all the time. We're not setting this up so the offense can look sweet. This defense is probably more cohesive than the offense right now. They are, uh, they know each other better. They know their scheme better. They're probably a little bit more solidified each. You know, there's fewer. Positions up in the air or question marks on defense Than there are on offense I, I, ex- I expected the defense to come out And have the kind of performance They've had so far So the offense is going to Take some time to click And really It's in these games Where the offense is really Going to open up Like things open up in the games Like they aren't in practice Things are like It's a lot harder to get open in practice, as a receiver or a tight end, than it is in the game. In the game, things just open up. And so you hope that you have that connection with your quarterback and he sees you. And I think Russell has the experience where he is going to see you. So you have to establish that connection between the guy throwing the ball and the guy catching the ball out here. And as many times as you can do that, the better. So if you can stay afterwards and catch with Russ, you know, they at Camp Russ, they went down to San Diego and threw, threw the ball a lot, right? They got to catch a lot of balls from Russ. Today... They're not going to catch a lot of footballs from Russ, you know, whether it's these individual periods where they're catching tennis balls um, and playing, su- like, one-eyed Sudoku while doing hopscotch, in, in, <laughs> like, on, on top of a BOSU ball or whatever. I don't know what they're going to do, but, but the, the 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 experience of just catching that football, getting to learn how his ball comes in, how it tails, because every quarterback throws a different football, and you got to get to know that one and know how it's going to fall and where to put your hands and how it jumps on you and things like that. Like, I'll... Jake Plummer and Jay Cutler, two very different quarterbacks, threw very different balls. Like, they had different personality to the ball that came out of their hands, and you got to get to know that ball. Jay Cutler's ball was coming nose down, like zing, and you had to get down to catch that thing. You couldn't come on top of it or it was going to fall right off your hands, and Jake, Jake's ball was a little friendlier. Uh-huh. It was coming a little nose up, not the tightest spiral ever, but it was a friendlier ball to catch. So those are things you learn out here. And obviously, those backup quarterbacks, you got to get reps with them. And so, if, if Russell goes down, God forbid, if he gets hurt, could happen. We hope not. Fingers crossed. But if Russell does get hurt, which one of these quarterbacks is going to come in and take the reins? And do you know his technique and his style and his tendencies in the pocket? So uh, I just like to watch these guys start to learn that about each other out here.
0: Caden Davis, once again, being the first guy out getting on the jugs machine. Quinn Miner's the second guy out. The tradition continues for both of those guys. Uh, Coach Hackett was asked about Josh Johnson and Rip yesterday. Uh, He was unwilling to give uh, any player the advantage. Both guys have done things well, is basically what he said. So uh, I think that that question will remain unanswered probably until we get uh, maybe past the second preseason game. Yeah. Um, we actually see these guys in real action on the field. Josh Johnson certainly did himself a favor with the most spectacular pay, play of training camp so far. That deep bomb to Darius Shepard yesterday. D. Shep using his... Uh, experience from Green Bays familiarity with the offense to hit the ground running on day one for him
1: yeah but we all know when when a bomb is caught. When a quarterback throws a bomb and a receiver catches it, the hard work is being done by the receiver there. He's <laughs> a guy who ran 65 right, right. yards, sprinted, tracked that ball, caught it, looked it in.
0: The quarterback just took a couple steps and chucked it. Give me give me your, your phrase again about the wish and granting the wish and all that. That's right. The quarterback makes the wish. The receiver grants that wish. Nice. Right? I love that's it why every they time. Call,
1: that's why they call it a Hail Mary.
0: <laughs> I right? love it every all time. Right? The
1: receiver is the hand of God that makes that a, a reality.
0: Spoken like a receiver, man. Spoken is the, the, like <laughs> the truth. Is the truth. So for me, yesterday, looking at the, the the practice yesterday, the increased level of physicality allowed me to evaluate a, a little bit more. So when you talk about guys like Baron Browning, when you talk about guys like uh, Nick Benito, I had a chance to see both uh, those guys as well, as well as Aaron Patrick. They all rotated in. Aaron Patrick, the second-year linebacker out of, I believe it's Eastern Kentucky, if I'm correct. Yes, Eastern. Kentucky. Uh, all three of those guys got reps with the first team defense. Uh, they all had some chances to make some plays. Uh, a couple of pressures in that. Uh, Russell Wilson was able to actually escape from one of those pressures from Nick Benito and complete a pass. But all three of those guys looked pretty good. So uh, the true evaluation can begin. You know, the first days of training camp with the lack of tempo, it was hard to really see how the players were stacking up and who was actually excelling versus who was just able to know what they were supposed to do. Yesterday and tomorrow, another padded practice tomorrow, another high-tempo practice tomorrow, uh, will be key for me to to begin to understand how some of these competitive uh, battles will actually stack up and how quickly somebody like Nick Benito as a rookie can step in and play. Uh, you talked about Greg Dolcich catching his first ta- uh, first touchdown pass of training camp yesterday. Yeah. So we're, we're beginning to see some of this take shape and we can begin to evaluate when you have a practice like yesterday.
1: Yeah, when you were just talking, that reminded me of something that, that did make an impression on me from yesterday and that was Eric Tomlinson blocking. I had not seen him do much because he's the blocking tight end, right? right. So like with it, when you're not in pads, you don't really get to see him work. Well, the very first play of the day, it was a run off tackle. It was like a wide zone on uh, uh, to his side, and he pinned Bradley Chubb and had a nice block, and the tight end coach came running out. <laughs> <laughs> see, like So So the funny thing is, like, they're in meetings right before right. this, or last night or whatever. They got the script, and he's like, that first play, man. That first play, we're coming to you. we got to establish the precedent. We need you to pin that block, blah, 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 blah. And so when he does it and he made a nice block, it gets his tight end coach real hyped up. That coach... The job he's doing is reflected on the way those guys perform in there, you know. So they they wear that as a badge of honor when their guys have a good practice. They go in there feeling pretty good about themselves. When their guys have a bad practice, they go in there and they take it. They have to go upstairs and get chewed out from the coach, and then they go downstairs and chew out their guys. So so they get really excited when when those when those guys make a nice block.
0: Uh, one of my favorite uh, CU sideline memories was Coach McCartney turning to uh, Bob Simmons, who was the outside linebacker coach. Bob, what is he doing out there? And Bob turned to Coach McCartney and said, "Do you see me out there? I don't know. I'll ask him when he gets to the sideline." But there's 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 that head coach thing of turning to the assistant coach and having some super detailed explanation about the mistake his guy just made yeah. on the
1: field. Well, here's what he was doing. He was thinking that he saw. No, you don't know that, yeah, right? right? They're doing their best out there. But um, but the position coaches, man they their their job is to really refine. All the technique, refine the little stuff. Like the offense coordinator goes, obviously, the the head coach is a big picture guy. Okay, he addresses the team. He talks about what we got to do. What we're trying to accomplish today, what we're doing out there. Then you break up offense, defense, and the offense coordinator puts in the plays. And he just tells everyone where they're supposed to go on this play and what they're looking for and what they'll check it to and stuff like that. But then you break up into your position meeting groups. And then the position coach tells you how to do the thing that you're supposed to do and with what kind of technique and what precision and what to look at and how to beat this one guy and all that kind of stuff. So they really fine tune the program to the point where your performance out there reflects on their ability to get you better at it, and they take pride in it. It becomes a personal thing out there, and so, you know, I would always it, it would always be cool to see my position coach excited you know, about a, about a day that we had like, we came out there and all of us were p- performing that day, and the tight ends have been performing really well. They they have been doing, and, you know, I talk about these six different crossing routes that exist in this system and it's, that's integral um, with the play-action passing game, the keeper game and the running game, and so if you if you run block well, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be more wide open on those crossing routes. And so they all it all correlates and to see these guys getting excited is cool.
0: Uh, Andrew Mason just walked in. Today is a Mace <laughs> Fit Friday. Uh, to, and he's well, dressed like Richie Carney. What's going on? <laughs> to make a Mace feel like part of the team. We are all dressing up like Mace. So we are all in some version of a kind of Hawaiian style shirt, some baggy shorts. Uh, In a a bucket hat. I'm sure there'll be a picture posted on DenverFan.com or to any place where you get the fan social media, so be sure to check that out. Uh, Eric Tomlinson was with the New York Jets when I did my coaching internship there. Um, So I was working with the outside linebackers, myself and the late Kevin Green. So I got a chance to see Eric Tomlinson up close a lot because we did a lot of one-on-ones when I was with the Jets. Uh, They weren't very good that year. Uh, I think Todd Bowles was a good coach. I think he'll be good this year in Tampa Bay. Uh, but he was armed with maybe the worst roster. Uh, some folks said in the last twenty years of football, they were mm. they, the, the, the cupboard was bare. Uh, as coaches, we tried really hard, but the cupboard was quite bare. But Eric Tomlinson was a very good run blocker. He gave every single outside linebacker for the Jets that year a tremendous amount of trouble in one-on-one uh, run blocking stuff. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy who can really almost be like a third offensive tackle out there for you. So if this outside zone scheme is going to work, we need guys like him to step up and be dynamic and powerful at the edge of the offensive line. Uh, when we come back, it will be our distraction segment. And Nate, you got it today, my friend. <laughs>
1: Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.